passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. All right, welcome back into another one-off Wednesday edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast here for WEEI, Odyssey Sports, and 2400 Sports. I'm Mike Cadlick, joined by Andy Jumbo Hart, both of us from WEEI.com. And we got a lot to get to today, Andy. We originally had a one-off Wednesday debate-style show-ish. I think we're on the same page, but originally had something scheduled, so we're going to talk about if or if not quarterbacks should throw at the NFL combine at their pro days and uh, sort of where you stand on that. Cause we'll get into it later, but I have sort of, sort of my opinions on that. I'm sure you do as well. But first, before we get into that little, uh, little tiff, we do want to talk about the new NFL PA report card that came out today. Uh, this is the second annual season that the NFL PA is doing this. So what they do is, Basically, uh, survey every single player in the league. It's over 1,700 players. And they uh, sort of take an anonymous survey and grade out every single team on how they are with uh, with families, with their facilities, their head coach, their owner, uh, strength staff, everything uh, to get sort of a sense of the workplace environment from every team. And for the second season in a row, Andy, the Patriots did not grade out well at all. Not a good look for Robert Kraft. Not a good look for the Patriots facilities, some of their staff. Um, some of them are going to change over uh, heading into the season with the new regime with Gerard Mayo. So hopefully they can uh, improve on some of these grades and numbers. But before we get into it, I'm going to well, I'm going to share my screen and we can sort of go piece by piece into uh, how they graded out in each one and why. But first, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, what you made of this this uh, this report coming out today. So obviously, on the surface, it's a bad look. Uh, yeah. For the team, the organization, the owner, um, you know, as I joked, I, I didn't even know you could get an F minus in things. I didn't yeah. know that was an actual grade. Um, the flip side, if you want to be like, hey, we we're better than the Chiefs and they're the Super Bowl champions. So um, if you want to do yeah, that, they hate their owner. They hate Clark Hunt. Like which he is, is the, weird, which is very weird because they're the best team in football. They all get paid pretty well and they just can't stand Clark Hunt. And I actually think that is somewhat alarming from a Chiefs perspective, because if you're near the bottom when you're winning Super Bowls back to back and that whole thing, then it's even worse than you think. Because I do yeah. believe, I think for years, people overlooked some limitations with the Patriots. I thought Gillette Stadium is a, a Jag stadium, just mm -hmm. a stadium, we used to call it. Like, 
and they have some limitations. It was, you know, privately financed. It only has one tunnel. So space is an issue. You don't wrap all the mm-hmm. way around. Like, but I think people looked past that because you were winning games, winning Super Bowls. You were a dynasty. So right. I thought it got overrated, the facilities at Gillette Stadium. Now, they may be even more dated now than they were then. Um, but I think because you were winning, people overlooked it. And then I think immediately when you're losing year after year, the last few yeah. years, it's easier to give negative grades. Like a guy who might've given a B to something that was mediocre in the past is now like, you know what? Our lunch sucks. I'm giving it a D. Yeah, right. And I just feel like the negative tone, like the opposite of a rising tide lifts all boats, like low tide in the mud gets everybody dirty. Like like the moving truck in front of your, in your front yard right now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I do have a moving truck stuck in my front yard. That is, uh, not as entertaining as you'd think it'd be stuck in the mud. And I'm just wondering of the ruts I'm going to have to fix later in the spring. And anyway. he's looking at his screen and talking about a truck stuck in the mud in the Patriots and the NFL. And he's also looking outside his window and he sees the same exact thing. A- absolutely. It's a, uh, it's a metaphor. Um, <laughs> but I, and I do think like, for example, um, the weight room is small and unimpressive. It mm-hmm. just is. And they actually redid it a while back when they moved into the old media workroom and moved mm-hmm. us to a different spot and the whole thing. Um, it just isn't that impressive. And the one that always, and I'm not surprised they got the F minus on the parent, uh, the friends and family. Yeah. Let's you know look at it. Well, let's get into it. Well, uh, I can okay. actually share my screen and we can kind of go piece by piece here. Um, if you can still see it, let me know if you can see it because my computer is my computer. Um, I can see it. All I see right now is your uh, main page, the new England Patriot report. Yeah, card. there we go. Okay. Perfect. They so so overall they grade grade 29th out of 32. That's not uh, good. No, it's not good. There's 32 teams. They're 20. The overview says uh, the results point to club management that has not been keeping up with changing times. Uh, the player response highlighted outdated facilities and stale services. Uh, the Patriots feel or the player Patriots players feel the facility needed significant renovations for a while now, which explains the ro- the low gl- low grade for club owner Robert Kraft about players having confidence he will invest in their facilities so here's the quick breakdown of what they show here um andy was just talking about the treatment of families f minus yeah. what like 30th in the league and uh, that's deserved i'm sorry but when you are hosting families on essentially like fold up tables behind a pipe and drape in the tunnel yeah the working tunnel um right. you get what you get and you can't get upset i'm like for example Giselle Bunchen, like, is she supposed to hang around and have food? And I know she's right. just a human being, but she's also a supermodel that's used to a certain level of treatment. Um, so you get what you get. And the first thing I wonder, so Bill Belichick is gone. I don't mm-hmm. know how many decisions in this area Bill Belichick makes. I think he would probably like to distance himself from any of this and say, no, 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 I don't, I'm not in marketing or team, you know, that type of stuff. I build the team. I coach football. This isn't my area. So then it's like, well, is it Robert Kraft? Is it Jonathan Kraft, who we all know has taken on a bigger day-to-day role over the years? Um, is it the next tier down, you know, like Jen Farron and Jim Nolan, I believe, are still right. the VPs? Are they, does this fall on their desks and their plates? Are they getting chewed out right now by Jonathan Kraft and Robert Kraft for letting things fall behind? Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's fair criticism in my, like the things that I know, like it's ridiculous that families are having dinner in a cold concrete tunnel. Like, that that ridiculous. like still like every single time post game there, like it blows my mind that just you look around the corner and it's like the kids and their their wives yeah. just like like you said on fold up tables like eating like catered meals that look like they just came from like Patriot. Like it's just it's weird. Like it is. It's bizarre. There should be like a specific place exactly yeah. for that before and after games for families. Especially and they're one of and if we when we go in the whole thing. They're one of only four teams that don't have a daycare at all for like the the kids, the ch- children. So like the children are in their suites and they're just kind of carrying them around. And like again, that's something that it sounds like I don't know. You, you sound like oh, they're just pampered football players. They need daycare, but like no, they're they're people too. It's like the, and if other teams that ha- that have it, the Patriots should just follow suit and have that same type of thing. Right. You're not doing business as business is being done if you're in a group of four. If it's 50-50, if it's like, well, 16 teams have it and 16 teams don't, okay, that's a different story. But if you're in a group of two, three, four, five like this, now all, and this was the picture that was always painted over the years of 
the Bengals were a team that were always way behind in a lot of areas yes. or the Cardinals way behind in a lot of areas. And you don't want to be there. You're supposed to be a premier organization with a premier owner. And some of that apparently was just covered up by winning yeah. and Tom Brady and those things. And I, again, I know there's limitations financially the way they built the stadium and then mm -hmm. just sort of the architecture of it, but also you've done a lot of work in recent years with, you know, different upgrades and rooms right. and doesn't seem like these types of things were addressed. It was, you know, let's add a club where we can sell things to people. Let's add another right. club where Bud we Light can Hall. like, yeah, well, I understand that makes money and that's important, sure. but some of this stuff seems like it's important too. And especially now when you were winning, no one cared. And I understand you have a hundred million dollars and if you pay a guy, he's going to come. He might bitch about the daycare later or the family treatment mm -hmm. later. If you pay him more than anybody else, he's probably still going to sign with the New England Patriots because money talks in free agency. Um, but if you want to be a premier first-class organization, I think you got some work to do to clean up some of this crap. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I again, looking at like, I mean, some of these things, uh, first of all, the weight room being 32nd, you mentioned it, like it's, it's small, it's tiny. They may have even... You mentioned they renovated it, you know, over the last couple couple of years back when they redid some things. But like last year when this came out, the weight room was dead last. And yep. so like they, they haven't improved in anything. And according to a couple of uh, guys on the beat today, they had mentioned that they're going to be redoing the weight room entirely with their new stadium renovations. But it it's almost like if this was something that was such a such a big problem and something that is, you know, puts them and ranks them dead last. They should have expedited the process and the weight room should have been done this summer ready for this season so that you don't get graded poorly like this again, especially when now you have a new head coach, a new GM, and you're looking to bring in uh, free agents where they're going to see this and like, look, uh, my, the weight room sucks and I'm not, it's not going to improve over the next couple of seasons. Like, why am I going to, why am I going to sign there? And especially when you have a new head coach whose brother runs the strength and conditioning program yeah. and the head coach in his introductory press conference said, quote, it all starts in the weight room. Right. And you have a weight room where you have players believing I'm better off somewhere else. I can do much better training somewhere else. And that's problematic. And, and the other thing is these kids come from colleges that have right. ridiculous facilities. Some, if you come from Alabama, Clem, any SEC school, like these big time programs, you're used to first class, not Meh, I guess it's good enough. And again, some of this is, it's more perception than reality. Like, can they lift? Yeah, they can lift. Right. Like, they can squat, they can bench, they can do most of what, but it, some of it is just like trying to give the impression that you're competing with everybody else, that you're keeping up with business as business is being done. Hell, I was just at UMass this weekend mm -hmm. in they're not even their basketball or football facility, but just in their other athletic facility. And their weight room was nicer than the Patriots weight room, in my opinion. Like yep. from what I've seen, it was bigger and nicer. And like, I'm sorry, that shouldn't be your, your, aren't they still a top 10 franchise all over the, the globe? They're all supposed to be <laughs> like, like you're worth $7 billion and you can't find a way to have a, let's just say middle of the road weight room. Let's just put yourself in the top, like 12. I don't right. know, you know, you don't have to be the best. I know Bill Belichick bitched about, or didn't bitch about, but like by comparison, talked about the Taj Mahal that yeah, was the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was intentional. I think he was, and maybe he thought he'd be sticking around longer and, and maybe cared about where the facilities right. were going. Um, but I think that was intentional. That was in comparison to what he's dealing with. That is, that is dated and undersized and just not first class the way things are being done. So there are four sort of categories here that I look at that can almost immediately you would think and hope be flipped by next season. And it's obviously the weight room, which should and could be state of the art by next season. Uh, that strength staff grade of C minus 31st. Uh, you mentioned it already, but Gerard Mayo's brother, Deron Mayo, is taking over the strength staff. Uh, Moses Cabrera will be uh, gone. So that'll be Deron Mayo's uh, operation moving forward. You would think that, like you said, with Gerard saying that they're going to sort of focus on that weightlifting stuff, that perhaps perhaps the the weight room being renovated in turn also helps the, 
the weight, the strength staff sort of reputation in the building because they're able to do more and use more equipment, things like that. The head coach being a B minus 27th, that's graded on Bill Belichick's scale. Uh, so depending on how the players feel about Gerard Mayo, that grade's going to go up next season. You would think, you would hope uh, that's the mm -hmm. idea. And then ownership being a D plus and uh, 27th out of 32. We just talked about Clark, Clark Hunt being uh, not liked by his, by his players. It looks like the Patriots aren't really too fond of the way Robert Kraft wants to spend on his team. Um, and if we go look at, I want to sort of talk, talk about the head coaching thing for a second because uh, we'll go to ownership first because the sort of criteria here was um, he received the rating for Patriots players when considering his willingness to invest in the facilities. So if they bring in the new weight room, that should go up. And then you would also think that if they start to bring in players and he opens up the checkbook and they get better and it, you know players realize that he's going to shell out some cash for not only the building but free agent players to help the team get get better his grade should go up in turn wouldn't you think yeah uh i need to interrupt for just a second at the crap okay. show that's going on in my front yard <laughs> um okay so the guys were just walking down the street i have a um farm slash vineyard across the street from me okay. so i just watched them walk across the street walk down there and they somehow just came back with a dude with a tractor and a, like a front end loader <laughs> lift. So they apparently just begged somebody to come help them from the neighborhood. So I got to tell you though, this is a good story of um, neighborly goodwill is not dead. Like that guy didn't sure. have to stop his day, whatever he was working no. to drive his tractor over here. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of, I'm watching him hook up his front end loader to the back of I the like truck it. and he's going to help him out. So Kind of a cool, bit of a poop show, but also a bit of a cool story. That's Robert Kraft opening up the checkbook and pulling the Patriots out of this this hole on the NFLPA grading scale. So what do you think Robert's reaction to this was when he sees him considered a bottom of the barrel NFL owner in the midst of the dynasty and in the midst of him yeah. wanting to get in the Hall of Fame? I, I mean, I look at, I go back to last year, they were in the same boat and they didn't do anything to improve. So I wonder... Frankly, I wonder how much he really cares about what the players think. And you would assume that he wants to be in their good, you know, good graces and want the players to like him as an owner. And they seem to appreciate him and like his whole, uh, like his social justice stuff with the blue square. And, you know, they, it, it seems like they get along when crafts in the building. But I mean, for them to anonymously say that he's not willing to invest in this place. And I think it's important to note that, you know, I guess this is strictly about workplace conditions and, you know, not things like spending money against the salary cap and how you like him as a person. But um, look, the proof is in the pudding. The weight room stinks. The facilities, the treatment of family stinks. You need to put your money where your mouth is in order to get your grade up. So he can be upset all he wants, but he can easily improve it by, you know, opening up the checkbook. Trucks out. getting pulled out. Oh, don't stop. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't stop until you're back on the driveway. Okay, oh they're getting close, getting close. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing I want to throw into here is, good Lord, my yard's a mess, um, is the uh, mess that is this team in terms of, um, and I know no one wants to talk about it or does want to talk about it, and they don't want to talk about it. Like, again, I go back to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. How much of this is actually a day-to-day -day Jonathan decision, Jonathan doing things? Because I've had people in the organization tell me, You're, you'd be stunned how much is out of date here, how much is, is dated, and how much is yeah. just needs upgrading in things that, like this, that I think fans don't talk about, think about, think about, think matter in the big picture um, process, and... I think a lot of that, I just think Robert has stepped away some. And, you know, we see it. Like, I don't even need to think it. He's at the Grammys. He's at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. He's at this. He's at that part. Like, he's, and God bless him, he absolutely should be. He's an 80-year-old billionaire who oversaw a dynasty. If he wants to live the good effing life, he should lead the good effing life right now. Right. S screw being on Foxborough five days a week and, like, deciding – should we go with the um, the rubber-coated dumbbells in the new weight room? Or should it, you know what I mean? Like, no. Sure. No, right. That makes sense. So I think... So that's kind of why you, you you question about who gets the blame here, right? Is it, you know, 
lower management? Is it Jonathan? Like who is actually in charge of these things? Cause you're right. I mean, Kraft's not down there comparing dumbbells anymore. He's and not. And he shouldn't be. He shouldn't exactly. be. Right. Get the F out of here. That should be beneath his pay grade. So, sure. I, you know, this is going to be pointed at ownership, like club owner Robert Kraft. Yes. Jonathan's also an owner. He's part yep. owner of the team, the way their trust and everything is built out. Um, this is, I think, more of a reflection of people beneath Robert Kraft, the way they've been handling business and... This is a big question. Are they going to change this? Are they going to do, because all we've heard the last few days at the Combine is like comparisons to the way business used to be done. New culture, Packer way, different way, this way, that way. Um, are they going to change how they do business now on all these levels beneath like, we're going to sign a free agent? Yeah, right. anybody can go out and give X player $20 million a year and he'll probably sign. But the other stuff matters. And are they willing to change on that level? And I think from things I've heard, even inside the building, there's people wondering that. Like, are we willing to change? Are we willing to do more in these areas that aren't seen, that aren't public facing? So before we get to our one-off Wednesday discussion on quarterbacks throwing at the combine, I want to ask you about this head coach grade because Bill's gone, right? I mean, we, it doesn't it doesn't really matter, but it doesn't really matter what the players thought of Bill because he's gone and we're in a new regime and we're turning the page. But uh, according to their survey... Bill ranks 27th with a B minus. Only 55% of his players felt that he was efficient with their time last season. And players feel Belichick was rarely willing to listen to the locker room. So uh, what do you make of it? Is it, you know, is it BS? Do you think it's, do you think that's a soft standard that he's not willing to listen? Or do you think that that just, this just goes to show that it was time for the Patriots to move on from him? I, I think sort of like that last part. Yeah, like that's my thought silos to use yep. Gerard Mayo's word silos went up and, and I think people got defensive. I think doors got closed. I think circles got, um, shrunk. Yep. Communication was worse. Um, you certainly had an offensive staff that was weird in their makeup and whether Bill wanted them, didn't who he wanted, whether Bill O'Brien wanted them, who he wanted, there was just a lot going on. It was broken. Yep. You know, we use the word, um, broken for Mac Jones and what happened the last couple of years. The Patriots were broken. Mm -hmm. The system was broken. The the communication, what the structure, it was broken. And I do find it funny though. Like, so B minus is twenty seventh. Yeah, like the, the coaches are graded high. So is that like out of fear? Is their players like, you know what? I never know if somebody's going to find out. So I might be a little critical, but I'm not giving a guy an F. I'm not giving. Well, so a guy looking back at the rest of the the coaching grades, Josh McDaniels was dead last, and he got a D. And the Patriots in the families section were 30th and got an F minus. Yep. So it's it's definitely the way that like again, most of the head coaches were graded rather positively, I think, aside from like your McDaniels and some other guys, Ron Rivera, who's gone too. Um, so I think it is just I don't know if it's out of fear or if it's just that generally the league overall likes their coaches that are right uh, in and, place for their and a lot of coaches are newer and younger, and maybe people feel a connection right. to a lot of those guys, and maybe that's part of it. Um, I just also do think it's funny that B minus is the highest grade the Patriots get for anything, even yeah. though it's 27th, it's their highest right. grade. And you fired that guy. You've cleaned yep. house on that guy. That guy was seen as the biggest problem and he's out the door. Um, and I'm not saying that's wrong, that he wasn't a problem. Like I think it was, you know, I believe it was time for him to go, that it, sure. it had run its course. Um, and then I also think like, yeah, he was part of the problem too yeah. with Jonathan and the payments and like the, the, in the investments behind the scenes, those were all parts of the problem. Um, but I also wonder how different was Bill or did the result change? Like, you know, the, they're not having any fun back when Lane Kiffin said, I mean, Lane, um, Johnson said Lane Johnson. it, Yeah, there was some truth to it, mm -hmm. but because they were winning, everybody pushed back and had to be hardos when they're not having fun and they're losing. Oh, we're not having any fun. Well, Bill, I think Bill was really consistent for the most part over his career he was kind of a not fun a-hole who was set in his ways. He was a dictator, like all of those things. And then he lost and people lost interest right. in that style. And like, you you know, there was a lot of vinegar to his world and that was just the reality. And it really started to taste bad once you have back-to-back -back losing seasons and last place and all those things. So um, was Bill perfect? No. Was it mostly an issue of they lost games and they didn't have a lot of talent? Yeah, I think that was the biggest issue because. I yeah. think he was kind of an a-hole all along. And this gets back to the Amendola quote, you know, 
we we played for um we worked for bill we played for tom like they worked for he was the boss yes sir right. no sir you're the man whatever like i gotta do what you tell me because you're the boss he's a tough but. head coach to play for and i think on the outside looking in you know as media and as fans everyone thinks that bill is the best coach in the league and that he was and he is but from a player's perspective he's not the easiest and most fun to most fun to play for and so right he might have even graded out as a B minus 27th at the peak of the dynasty. Um, unless of course guys were too scared to give him said grade, like you had mentioned, but um, he's not easy to play for. So in a survey on workplace environment, Belichick is probably going to grade out at a B minus most of the time, regardless really either if you're winning or losing. Oh yeah. So. He's never, if you're being honest workplace environment, he's never going to be like an A. I love him. It's the greatest. Right. He does everything for everybody. Like, no, that's just not who he is. And you don't have to like it, but it is what it is. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's Bears report card. You lose me. Uh, you got very slow. My back. <laughs> You're back. I think Ooh. it was when you were closing the. Uh, yeah, I closed out. Closing. It's too bad. I gotta get a new laptop. I you need another water. mouse in there. You need like you need at least two mice in the. In I know. The, um, on your wheel running. Yeah, seriously, it's it's Jesus. Yep, I know it's tough. Tough sledding. I'm gonna here. grade you an F for your laptop and your investment in this program. Well, it'd be great if you know we weren't doing a live show, but we like the reactions and the interactions, and so uh, it's live, and you got to deal with the slow stuff. And if it wasn't live, we could edit it all out. But speaking of which, just to yeah. bring in uh, MJ Dub, okay. uh, I'll call him four and thirteen has a lot to do with these grades, don't you think? Winning is fun, absolutely. Yeah, the the, the environment is set by the results on the field. Winning overcomes everything. Winner hides. Winning hides a lot of things. And as I started saying in the last couple of years, losing is undefeated. It breaks everyone. It breaks Bill Belichick. It breaks Robert Kraft. I don't care who you think you are. Losing will break you. It's, yep. We're watching it break Alex Cora with the Red Sox. I think Alex Cora is a pretty good manager. And I think he loves baseball and he loves to have fun. And, he, and guess what? He entered spring training a broken man. Alex yeah. Cora is broken because they lose. Under It's losing is undefeated and it always will be you should get that tattooed losing is undefeated and the truth is never mean you can get those back to back wherever you want them but i don't think i'm a tattoo guy yeah that's fine point Plus is it, there like i'm cheap like it costs money it's painful and i uh, it's permanent like I, no, yeah no no that's fair you're right but no, regardless those are, the, temple. those are the andy hart monikers so uh, live or die by them true. both of, both of them are very true so that's it on the nfl pa uh, player grades uh, from uh, this year, second annual. Uh, if you want to check it out in full, you can find it. It's on the NFLPA's website. Uh, everyone under the sun, NFL, non-NFL, has tweeted about it uh, over the last couple hours. So check it out in full. Tweet at us if you have any reactions. And uh, we're going uh, to call it there on the NFLPA. So. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast presented by t-mobile the official wireless partner of odyssey sports with an awesome network and great savings there's never been a better time to join t-mobile visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today as we get into segment two uh, of this Six Rings and Football Things podcast here on a one-off Wednesday. We're going to get into our little debate, our little question here. Um, and it sort of stemmed from 
Obviously, it being NFL Combine Week, the NFL Draft just around the corner, Pro Days are coming up uh, over the next month prior to April's NFL Draft, and especially with the Patriots here having the number three overall pick, we're always talking about the quarterbacks. Uh, The top three, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, all will not throw at the NFL Combine on Saturday when the throwing, or Friday or Saturday, I forget. One of the days is when the throwing sessions happen. And me and Andy have sort of been talking about it the last couple of days, whether it's good off, you know, off the record texting, whatever, um, whether it's good, whether it's bad that these guys are throwing. Um, I certainly have some opinions on it. I think we're on the same page, Andy. Um, but I'll sort of let you kick it off. And uh, because like, again, they, they go, they go from there. The combine is with all the guys, you know, all the receivers that um, they haven't really worked with before. So I think that is in part as to why they choose to just throw at the the pro day. And then the pro day is a script and they have all the guys that they trusted over the last, you know, three, four years to catch the ball from. Uh, But that's, that's not what the NFL is like. You need to hit some adversity. So um, I could go on a rant on this forever, but I want to let you get off because I know uh, you, you quote tweeted this, this promo saying heart of heart was coming into town. So uh, let's see what you got to say. And that's me show up and compete. I just, I've always, you know, those stories you hear about like Dion wasn't going to run and then he showed up and somebody like just handed him a pair of shoes and he runs like a ridiculous, like I want competitors and I understand that it's not perfect. And you, the timing with all the, you know, like 40 different receivers rotating through and who you're going to get. And okay. And I think the people watching understand that. Like, I don't think people are like, Oh my God, a ball hit the ground. I can't draft this guy. Right. Hell. I was not in there, but I was told Cam Newton had one of the worst throwing sessions that ever existed, that he threw a ball into the stands on one play. That's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And I believe he still went number one overall. I believe he still won an MVP. I believe he went to a Super Bowl and was one of the more unique players to, to play in the modern era. I like competitors. I like guys that just have that juice. And as you said, like, what are you going to do when things aren't perfect on a Sunday, a Thursday night, right. a wind, a rain? Like, to me, that's what I'm looking for. Can you adapt, overcome, get comfortable being uncomfortable? Like any of the cliche right. phrases we hear from coaches and teams and slogans. And I really don't believe if you had a bad throwing day, someone's going to change their entire outlook on whether you're draftable and where you could go. And like, even the flip side, I think is true. I think when people go to pro days where it's scripted and your personal throwing coach and your, you know, your receivers, your buddies that you've lived with for three years, I don't think they say, wow, you completed all 70 throws. I was going to take you in the third round. Now I'm taking you in the first round because you had a great pro day. Like I just, I, I just, it, to me, it sends, it just sends a bad like vibe. And for these three guys, Certainly the number one guy mm-hmm. has more bad vibes than he would like, I think, at this point. And I might have even changed if I were him, and I'm sure he has handlers and agents and they have way mm-hmm. too much power and he's doing as he's told and all that. No, I want to throw. I think my greatest asset is people are wowed when I throw. Like right. I want to go out there and throw and wow people. So I hate it. I hate it just and I should. So you're a former quarterback, obviously yeah. not a combine level quarterback, but a former quarterback. <laughs> And I am the father of a quarterback and I've come to become more of a a quarterback apologist, like living that life and like Mm -hmm. talking to him and like, you know, Hey, nice throw there. Yeah. Well, he ran the wrong route. Like, and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that. It just looked like a shitty throw for me, for me. Like, so I've become a little bit more of an understanding quarterback observer, but I want you to compete. I want my quarterback to have moxie and swag. hundred percent. Like that. I think it only helps guys cause to throw at the combine. Like I look at, first of all, last year, right? Bryce Young didn't throw. CJ Stroud did. But you know who else did was Anthony Richardson. And Anthony Richardson had the best combine I've ever seen from a quarterback last season. Me, you, and Shime talked about it on on our quarterback show on on Monday. And he come out there, he he kicks ass. And he's like, oh, he ends up as the fourth overall pick because... You know, and not that not just because he's out there and he's a competitor, but because he was able to show off his athletic ability. And, you know, on one hand, it's it's easy to understand a guy like Bryce Young, who 
is, you know, basically a shoe in to be a number one, number two overall pick. If he does go out there and botch it, like maybe it throws some guys off, but I still think it ultimately helps you to throw and kind of like you say, compete. And I look at a guy like for this weekend, JJ McCarthy is going to get, he's going to throw and he's going to get a ton of reps because so other, so many other guys aren't throwing. And all that's right. going to do is help a guy like that stock move up. If he kicks ass, completes 65, 70 balls, then all of a sudden he looks like he's turning himself into a, uh, a first round pick when the other, the top three guys saving themselves for the pro day are not going to. Yeah. And, and you mentioned like, is there a slight chance that you might just have a bad day and that hurts you a little bit? Okay, maybe. Let's just pretend. Well, let's just accept maybe there's a slight chance. I think there's a greater chance that more people feel like you and I and just look a little sideways at your decision not to throw. Like there's a there's a negative consequence to that too, just like there could be a negative consequence to you yeah. throwing poorly or not looking great. So I just I would always advise if I had a son, if I had a, a client or whatever. Because you're going to also have your pro day. You're going to okay. have that perfect one. Yes. I got to get into the pro day now because okay. this is my ultimate sort of NFL combine pro day take. And it's a sneak peek to my column that's dropping tomorrow morning on WEI.com for Thursday okay. morning. So um, I'll turn you to that as well. But overarching big take here. And it's about Johnny Manziel, right? And Johnny Manziel, he's made some bad decisions admittedly from himself like tanked his pro career you know he's been talking he was on club shay shay last week and he's talking about hoyer and you know he loses 40 pounds from doing cocaine like all this stuff right manzel's filled with bad decisions yep he made the best decision i've ever seen from a player going into the nfl draft and i'm going to pull up my tweet from last year which is where this column's going he went to his pro day and if I don't know if it's going to pop up, did it pop yep. up? Yeah, I got he went to his pro day and he threw in pads as he Andy. should. He threw in shoulder pads and a helmet. And that should have been the standard for pro days moving forward. He was there. You talk about moxie and swagger. He was there at AM that year. He was the balls, Johnny football, throwing in front of eight NFL head coaches. The former president, George Bush, was there. And he goes and he throws on the helmet, shoulder pads, laces them up and goes out and he completes 68 of 70 passes or whatever it was. He kicks ass. He turns himself into a first round pick. And I just he he said it after the fact, too. Like someone asked him, why'd you throw in pads? He's like, well, you play in them, don't you? And it's like I this coddled, like scripted. Only the guys I want to throw to. Now, granted, I don't remember if Johnny threw at the combine. I know he threw at his pro day. But the fact that he did it in pads. That should have been the standard moving forward. And I don't understand why other guys haven't done that since because that's one of the things you mentioned the Moxie, like they had music playing. He was there with Mike Evans and they were, you know, jumping up and jumping, bumping shoulders and everybody's there. And like that's the stuff, the kind of competitiveness I want to see from a quarterback at a pro day. He had everybody in a circle. He gave a speech. Like that was that was 10 years ago at this point. I remember sitting in high school, like, I want to be Johnny Football. That guy's the man. And, and I I think that's what what that is something that I think helped turn him into a first round pick. Who knew we were going to go to uh, Johnny Manziel for like uh, that reason was a, and, and that was a great decision. decision. It was probably his own, one of his only great decisions on his on his pro day career on his professional career. But he made and I do think decision. some of it, it if awesome. I recall, he marketed it and they even sold like a line of attire yes. that like from yeah, it, the, whatever. So yeah. there was a there was a Nike financial angle, I think, sure. to it, too. But I 100% agree with you. Not only should they throw, when I watch a quarterback throw, if he doesn't have pads on, it's irrelevant. Right. Because, like, you 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 practice like you play. Like, yeah, that's great that you have great range of motion with no pads on. What are you going to do when you have shoulder pads on? Right. What, like, and that's why if you ever watch Tom Brady, any of the Tom versus time, yeah. he's on top of his mountain in Wyoming with his buddies. He always has a helmet and shoulder pads on. It's right. It just only makes sense. Or if you hear lacrosse players like you're shooting. Why do you not have your gloves on? When are you ever going to shoot without wearing your gloves? Hockey player. When are you ever going to have the stick in your hand without your gloves right. on? So put your damn gloves on. So the feel is always the same between your hand, the stick, the puck, the ball, the shot, the way you play. And it's a great point at the highest level where we are breaking down every bit of information, minutia, mm -hmm. you know, even in a world where was it Jamar Chase who struggled with the ball early in 
yes. in Cincy because yeah, it didn't he, have a stripe and they were like, the I can't stripes. see the stripe or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, like the littlest thing could matter. These are fine-tuned athletes where the, the line between success and failure is small. The closer you get to replicating game activity, so use the ball he has to catch. Use the ball he has to throw. Oh, maybe the receiver should have pads on and catch from a quarterback who has pads on when he throws because right. I was a big – not that anyone gives a rat's ass, but fat little Andy high school fullback mm-hmm. could catch the hell out of the ball with no pads on. Right. Then you put my pads and helmet on, and I'm like, alligator can't on. Get the- <laughs> I, can't <do> <laughs> I can't do it. So, like – why that's would you be a, not, that's gonna end up as a gif me and you going like that oh, probably <laughs> but why would you not have pads on to do your job like right. a key part of your job is is impacted in some little way mm-hmm. by the pads so this is a a much longer rant and it's it's annoying because so a guy can rise and fall because something called s2 exists and i don't even know what s2 is i'm just throwing it out there yeah, the I learned cog- it's the cognitive <laughs> test that if for those who don't know, it's the thing that apparently tanked CJ Stroud all the way to the second right. pick last year. Tanked him all the way to the playoffs as a rookie and yeah. one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. Ever. Yeah. Um and then I heard something. Is it true that Sam Munson was part founder of that? The guy who is part founder of PFF is like involved with S2. Something like that. So one um, of those guys. I don't want to put it on Sam alone, but someone, someone in the media world was directly I don't care for any of that. indirectly involved with the S two test. Yeah, I don't care for any of that. Anyway, but in a world where we make up these tests to judge personality, decision making, intelligence, all these things, we let a guy not throw, which is mm-hmm. literally his job. We and if he does throw, we let him throw in shorts and a t shirt with no helmet on instead of the way he's going to have to throw. When I'm watching him do something that is worth billions of dollars, Mm -hmm. the way he does his job in helmet and shoulder pads is worth billions of dollars. We'll decide what we are as a franchise, what I am as a coach, what I am as a GM, an owner, whatever. There was that clip today. I don't know if you saw it of um, Brandon Bean. And and he said like, yeah, and like how much they gave up to take him. And he's like, I knew it didn't matter. Because if I miss, it won't matter because I'm gone. And the the picks I gave up won't affect me because I'm out of the job. And if he hits, it won't matter because he hit. Because we hit. Yeah, right. Like So, like, in a world where it's all on the quarterback, we let him not throw. We let him not throw in pads. Like, it just – and we wonder why it goes south and why we don't get enough information and, like, all of that stuff. So, like, but we'll fixate on – um, Zach Wilson rolling left and throwing back across his body 57 yards and like, ooh, ah, take him number mm-hmm. two. It just, it feels so effed up. It just, the, the whole evaluation of quarterbacks yeah. feels so effed up. I just think, again, like you, you mentioned it, it's, it's as easy as explaining it like this. You're a quarterback. Your main job is to throw the football on a football field and guys back out of it because it's too hard to do. Right. Like it's well, they literally don't know like, the guy. Like yeah. they didn't get reps to warm up. Well, guess what? If Jamar Chase goes down, Joe Burrow has to throw to the next man up. Who I he know hasn't he practiced with all week right. because he's been on scout team. Right. Right. And so like that whole idea, Jalen Rager might be out there. I know you right. practiced all week with Kendrick Bourne and Juju Smith Schuster, but guess what? They're hurt. And Jalen Rager got called up from the practice squad and he's out there. Sorry, coach. I'm not going to throw today because I'm not on the same page with him. Survive, survive, adapt, throw, be tough. Like I just, and again, does it, does it tank their draft stock? Clearly not. So, you know, we can sit here and complain about it all day, but realistically they're probably not going to change it because it doesn't matter. Like these guys are still, you know, Caleb's still going to go number one. Jaden Daniels and Drake may are going to go two and three probably. So, and, the I don't know if you've noticed the uptick in these um, Twitter accounts that claim they're ex-scouts. Like, there's more so and more funny. of them making it across my timeline. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I saw one today. Ridiculous. My he favorite said, thing. My favorite thing to cut you off is they'll start the tweet with as an ex-scout, and then oh, all yeah. the replies are like, "Well, why are you an ex-scout? Like, because you probably stink at scouting. You're not a right. freaking scout anymore, right?" But one of those guys is like, "I took Caleb Williams off my board. This is the last straw. He's not throwing. He's off my board." He's off your board. I can yeah. understand you'd be scared to take him one overall. He's off your, you wouldn't take him in the second round. He's off your right. board altogether. Um, so 
That's why you're an ex-scout, dude. <laughs> That's why you probably never were actually a scout. This yeah, is Twitter. Exactly. I don't believe everything that I see on Twitter. Um, I'm going to just start writing that uh, before every tweet as an as ex-scout an ex-scout. And then yeah. just put like my Patriot meme or something. Right. Yeah. It's it's so frustrating. Um, but no, and and this has been going on forever. And I just don't know the examples though. Like it almost doesn't matter one yeah. way or the other. Like it doesn't really change that much. I can't think of quarterbacks that didn't get drafted because they didn't work out or didn't get drafted because they did work out and didn't play well or vice versa. I just we make a bigger deal of it, I guess, than it matters because it bothers us. We want competitors. But in the end, it's what you just said. Williams is going to go one. Mm-hmm. Daniels or May is going to go two and three. Like, J.J. McCarthy might go next. Although, as much as I say that, the senior bowl certainly hurt your boy, Bo Nix. And He's he not wasn't my boy, good. Andy. I'm not a I know, Bo Nix guy. I'm going to keep saying that. Yeah, that I when know. He sucks, no, people are going to be like, hey, Cadillac, didn't you, didn't you no. love Nix? You were a Nix guy, Cadillac. <laughs> bullshit because it's it's Keith and it's Fitzy and I get looped into those guys for because th- these are the three guys you talk about every single day and we just get bunched into one so it's true um no, anti so yeah. Bonex I am a I am a Michael Penix guy I do like Michael Penix and he also wasn't uh, granted Bonex was worse at the, the senior bowl but Penix didn't have a great week either but if I'm Michael Penix for example I absolutely throw you know why because I think the most impressive thing I do is release the football and people 100%. go Ooh, look at yeah, that right. that's nice right. Um, and I think he is throwing, he's in that next year. He is throwing. Yeah, he is throwing. He should, um, even though he might miss a guy, a ball might hit the ground, but another example, like that clip making the rounds this week of, um, George Kittle with like a broken nose running the receiver drill, the line Mm -hmm. drill down the thing. And it's like, if you are a gamer, people notice if you compete, people notice like they care. So the other thing is you look at, okay, you miss a throw here and there, like, People don't complete 100% of their passes in an NFL no. football game. Like no. sometimes you overthrow a guy, sometimes you underthrow a guy. Like that's natural. You're not right. If you're going in as a talent evaluator and you expect these guys to complete these guys to complete every throw, then that's on you. And if they do, great, but I just I find it hard to knock a guy for, you know, a, a higher low throw here and there. Like that's just the game. That's business, baby. That's the shit that's going to happen. So yeah, yep. I'm with you. I think we're pretty much on the same page here. We didn't really have a, a uh, an anti on this this uh, this should the no. quarterbacks throw argument they should, but uh, it is easy to look at it from the other side too and be like, a like we just mentioned, it doesn't really it doesn't really change these guys' draft stock, and b right. at the end of the day, everyone else is doing it, so why not be coddled by your coaches and your script and your your receivers at your pro day and try and shine even more. But But maybe you like I would look to if I were Caleb Williams. So it's out there. It's universally accepted that Williams, Daniels and May are not throwing. Right. Caleb Williams, change your mind, pick up a ball and put on a show and change the narrative, change the he's coddled. He's a diva. He's this. He's that change the narrative. And they're like, ooh, somebody's a gamer. He showed up and put on a show and he's capable of it. He's more likely than not going to put on a show because he's really physically gifted. So. That's what I would advise. Caleb Williams, to me, is the guy who most needs to throw because of all the negative drama around his sort of persona. He should do that. He should just yeah. show up in, like, dress you in a suit. Show up in a suit and put on a show. Just has a tie wrapped around his head like the drunk yep. guy at the wedding. Like I wouldn't do just, that necessarily. Just slinging balls, yeah. But All right, so uh, if that's that, I don't really uh, – I think that's sort of where we agree. Quarterback should yeah. be throwing. Um, anything else to add before the to the conversation before we wrap it up? Well, we did have uh, King Rosé say, "Hey y'all!" Oh, I don't what's know, up, Rosé. Hey y'all, up, Rosie. Thanks for joining us. We're actually Skin- wrapping up. You're 45 Skin- minutes late. Well, Skinny Pete from from yesterday comes in too and says, uh, "So are we saying JJ McCarthy at three now?" No, we're not saying JJ McCarthy. No, but this might help now. him. Yeah, this it's might help his draft this- stock. This might cement him as the fourth quarterback, and this right. might cement him as a middle of the first round guy, next tier guy, however high that goes. I, I think because that's I think he's building off a gamer pro ready potential reputation. Like yeah. there's so much room for growth. He he was in like a certain offense in a certain way with Harbaugh, but he can do so much more. Look at him. He's more athletic than you think. He can throw off platform more than you can think, even though people don't think of him that right. way. And this is an example where he can show off a little bit of that. And yeah, I do think I know this was sort of a you know trolling type comment, but 
I think J.J. McCarthy will help himself throwing this week. I, I agree 100%. Shows he's a gamer, shows he can be a baller. Takes him out of the, the potential, you know, J.J. McCarthy feels like the guy that, oh, he has so much potential, we just haven't seen it to, right. oh, no, he's here, he's the one guy, the top guy throwing here, and he just balled out, and maybe we're going to, he's going to go up our board. And if he throws in pads and helmet, Skinny Pete, he would go up another notch. He should. They should. They should. Hard get, ready to, get ready to read the WEI.com column tomorrow on Johnny Football in the one best decision he's ever made. I would liken that to when the stories about when Julian Edelman arrived at Kent State and walked up to the quarterback and said, I'm here to take your job. And like immediately just put it out there. Just yeah. put his big old testicles on the table in the locker room and said, this is what I'm here to do. You Even if you're... Even if as the quarterback, a guy comes up to you and says that, you're terrified immediately. Like absolutely, you planted oh, a seed. You yeah. planted a seed, and now that tree is going to grow, and I'm that tree is going to knock you over at some point. Yep, I would love so, it. Yeah, I would too. So that's going to wrap it up here for our six wearing six rings, one off Wednesday, talking about quarterbacks throwing at the combine. Uh, we're going to be back. Um, trying to figure out the rest of the schedule. I'll probably be back later on this week. I'm trying to grab a guy from the combine to do a live show from Indy. But regardless. Uh, me, Andy Shine, will be back next week to do some prospect stuff. Uh, we'll get Fitzy on board next week as well. We'll uh, keep the Six Rings train going uh, throughout this all-important Patriots offseason. So make sure to rate, review, subscribe, uh, listen on the Odyssey app, and um, you can also follow on Twitter at Six Rings Pod. Tweet us at Mike Cadlick at Jumbo Heart with all of your love and also complaints and ideas for more of these one-off Wednesdays. Uh, six ring show. So for Andy, I'm Mike Cadlick. Uh, we will see you next time. And uh, again, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, six rings, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Hey. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.